couple weeks ago, Brother Gene started, and we're going to be continuing on through uh, the first part of August, that first Sunday. We're going to be making commitments, looking ahead to what the Lord is going to do among us. We're going to be making financial commitments that day, and I tell you that so you can be in prayer for what the Lord wants you to do. In the lead up to that, we're going to be preaching about what God wants to do. How many of you are glad that the Lord's not finished? Amen. I'm thankful for what he's done, but I'm glad that he's not done. Amen. I'm glad that he's got more for us. He's got more for this city. He's got more for this area. Amen. And we're going to be preaching that way today. Not we are sorry. There's not more than one of me. There's just me. I'm going to be preaching that way today in that same vein about what the Lord wants to do among us. Amen. We're going to be turning to a passage of Scripture that is familiar to many of you. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. Find these verses quoted here. The prophet writing these. It's a prophet, so it's a prophecy. I believe it still holds true for us today. And it says these words, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out of my spirit. Words that I'm sure you may have heard before, if not, they're powerful words if they're the first time you've heard them. And today I want to preach to you about dreamers and visionaries, dreamers and visionaries. And I want you to pray today. In a specific way, I know the Lord can do anything in our hearts, no matter what we need. But I pray that, the, that you, as we pray this morning, that you would say, Lord, I want you to challenge my heart. Amen. How many of you know that to sometimes go ahead in the Lord, He sometimes challenges us in areas that are a little uncomfortable? And I believe, <laughs> I didn't say you had to like it, you just know it. And this morning, I pray that the Lord would challenge my heart this morning. And I wish you joined with me in prayer, with that same prayer, believing that the Lord can do something among us this morning. Let's join together. Lord Jesus, I come before you in faith, believing, knowing that you are in this place, Lord. I'm thankful for your spirit, your presence that we feel today. And Lord, I believe that as your word goes forth, it's going to challenge our hearts. It's going to stir us today, God, because that's what your word is about. It doesn't want to leave us the way that we came in this place. But Lord, I pray that we leave different, Lord. Not just through words of of man's wisdom, but Lord, through the power of your word, through the power of your spirit. Lord, that you would do something among us today, God. I believe you and trust you and thank you for what you're doing. And believe, Lord, that you want to do greater things. You want to do more powerful things among us, Lord. I give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Dreamers and visionaries. I'm believing for what the Holy Ghost wants to do among us. Amen. I'm believing for revival. I believe that the Lord is, is, is in the middle of revival. I believe that we are experiencing what the Lord wants us to experience. And I believe the Lord wants to do even more among us. I've already said it, but I'm glad the Lord is not finished with us yet that there's greater things to happen, that there's more powerful things that are going to happen, more lives are going to be touched, more people are going to have their lives transformed. This is not it, but this is simply a beginning to what the Lord wants to do. I'm believing for what the Holy Ghost is going to do. I'm believing for who the Holy Ghost is going to fall upon. And these verses tell us that the Holy Ghost wants to fall on everybody. 
And I'm not really going to start out slow this morning, so if you're not ready, just take a deep breath, and let's go for it this morning. Thank, I, I just want to, you know, this morning we were led in worship by someone brand new, and I just want to acknowledge that. Sister Linnell Valdez this morning led us in worship. But I'm believing for what the Holy Ghost wants to do. These verses tell, tell me what the intent of the Holy Ghost is. It doesn't leave me wondering. It doesn't leave me guessing. But it says that it wants to fall on all flesh. So if you have flesh on you, the Holy Ghost wants to fall upon you. You need the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost wants you. These verses tell us that it will fall upon all flesh. And I want to grab a hold of that promise this morning. That the Holy Ghost is going to fall upon all flesh. It's going to fall in our neighborhoods. It's going to fall in this city. I believe it can fall at our schools. It can fall at work. Amen. This is a church without walls, and I'm believing that God wants to fill people with the Holy Ghost outside of these walls. I'm believing the day for, for when we get reports coming in of who God is filled with the Holy Ghost this week, who God filled with the Holy Ghost at work, at school, in some place that we hadn't imagined, because the Holy Ghost wants to fall upon all flesh. This, these verses also demonstrate to us the depths to which the Holy Ghost wants to fall. Peter quotes these words in his sermon in Acts chapter 2. After the Holy Ghost has fallen for the first time and gathered in that crowd that day, it's not just people from the neighborhood. It's people from all around the then known world. There are people from all social classes, the rich and the poor. There are people of different races that you can read the list of all the different places that they are from. There are people that are there hearing those words that they need the Holy Ghost from all different kinds of a background. There's sinners and there's saints there, if you will. There's people who have a long history of, of negative behind them. There's people who are just there caught up in the crowd. But it didn't matter that day to the Holy Ghost because Peter proclaims upon all flesh. He uses these uh, verses to proclaim who was a candidate to receive the Holy Ghost. He said, whosoever will, if you have flesh, you can receive the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your social background. It doesn't matter if you have the money to purchase the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter what you look like or any kind of background. The Holy Ghost is for you today. The Holy Ghost wants to fall on you today. It says in that second verse, in verse 29, it says upon the servants and upon the handmaids. You see, because the servants and handmaids were a completely different class. There was people, and included in that were the Jews and thieves and all kinds of things. But then there was the servants and the handmaids as well. Now, if you were a Jewish servant having to serve out for some reason, whether you owed something to somebody, then you are not included in this class of servants and handmaids. This refers to those who were foreign. This refers to those who were captured in war. And they had no choice. They had no decision. They didn't count. They were worthless. They were nobody. And God says, I'm not just going to pour out my spirit on those that you may think deserve it. He says, I'm going to go all the way to the bottom of the barrel. I'm going to go all the way to the very bottom. And the people you don't even think about, the people that you don't even consider, that's who I'm going to fill. The Holy Ghost reaches from the top all the way to the bottom. The Holy Ghost is for you. The Holy Ghost is for your life. Oh, come on, let's give them praise right now. 
Come on, I believe God wants to fill with His Spirit people throughout this community, people that I may not even think are worthy in my flesh, but God wants to touch their life. God wants to do something in their heart. God promised I'm going to fill everybody. And you know what? There's people that we don't consider worthy in our own natural flesh. There's people that we don't consider about. But this verse plainly tells me that the Holy Ghost is for everyone. It's not just for the spiritual. It's not just for the perfect. It's not just for the rich. Also, it's not just for those who are in dire situations. It's not just those who need something, who are in a moment of desperation. In fact, in Revelation, we find the one requirement to receive the Holy Ghost. In Revelation chapter 22, in verse 17, it says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water freely. I want it to be known, and it's been said from this pulpit before, but this is a church where whosoever will can be filled with the Holy Ghost. This is a place where the only requirement to walk through the doors is, are you thirsty? Do you need something from God? Do you want something from God? That's all you need for the Holy Ghost to fall. If you need the Holy Ghost this morning, all you need to do is come. All you need to do is be hungry for more. Want something more from God. Joel chapter 2 and verse 32, just a few verses later, it says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. That's how easy it is for you today. If you need deliverance, there's only one thing you need to do. You don't have to have given in the offering. You didn't have to come and do any particular thing. You just need to know the name of the Lord. And the name of the Lord is Jesus. All you have to do is call on the name of Jesus today. If you need deliverance, here's your answer, Jesus. If you need the Holy Ghost, here's your answer, Jesus. If you need set free, here's your answer, Jesus. All you need to say is, Lord, I need you. Oh, I'm thankful that when I speak his name, he shows up. I wonder if there's somebody who knows what I'm talking about. All you could do was say his name, and all of a sudden, he was there. All of a sudden, peace came in the situation. All of a sudden, protection was there. I'm thankful that all I need is Jesus. I need that mask that's in the other pulpit, I think. It says, on whosoever will, on the servants and the handmaids, on those who are lowly. And I'd venture to say that in the same way that there was people that didn't count in that society, there's the same people today. There's people that don't count, especially amongst Christianity. There's people that we think don't really count. <laughs> Let me just say that God showed Peter a vision, and he lowered a sheet, and it had all sorts of animals in it. And he said, I want you to eat and kill. And Peter said, no, I'm not going to do that because those are unclean. Did it three times. Peter, what an awful person you are. Let me just say that that sheet is still there. There's still untouchables in our society. There's still people that while we can say whosoever will, I wonder if they walk through the doors if we're still saying whosoever will. This is a church without walls. It's not going to keep, we don't have walls to keep us in, and there's not walls to keep anybody out. I know we've got our top three sins as smoking, drinking, and drugging, maybe cussing. 
We're a happy people, yes we are. We're a happy people, yes we are. We don't smoke and we don't chew, there ain't much that we can do, but we're a happy people, yes we are. I sang today. I grew up in church and sometimes the songs that they were singing just didn't cut it. You got to change the words a little. You know, we, we've got people that we think are the bottom of the barrel. But you know what I've discovered? That barrel's a whole lot deeper than I ever realized. I wonder if we're all right with some people showing up, but then the Lord lowers the sheet and says, I want you to kill and eat. Now, we're fine with the killing part. But I wonder if there's people in our society, in our community, that I wonder how we would feel if they really walked through these doors. And let me just go one step further. Not only if they walk through those doors, but are we praying for them to walk through our doors? <laughs> let me just say it this way. We all know it. The more they're in sin, the more they need Jesus. So not just if they walk through the doors, but are we praying for them to walk through the doors? Are you praying for the transsexual to walk through that door? Are you hoping to goodness you're not the greeter that day? Are we praying for that? Are we praying for the homeless? I can't go through the whole list because it's like 55 letters long now. Those seeking, those bisexual, transsexual, uh, whatever, whatever th category they put on it now. Is, is that who we're praying to come through these doors? Whosoever will, let them come. Hmm. Let me just say, I'm not scared of any of that. I wonder what I'd do, but I'm not scared of any of that. There's a big deal going on right now that they're going through in states are, 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 are banning conversion therapy. How many of you read anything about that, conversion therapy? Where they convert people from an alternative lifestyle. That doesn't bother me. You know why? Because I don't believe in conversion therapy. I don't believe in it. I believe in transformation therapy. I don't need to convert anybody from anything. First of all, I can't. I do know that if they feel the power and the presence of God, that can transform their life. And who needs transform more than the people in the sheet? I'm praying that God sends them here for a transformation. I'm praying that the Holy Ghost falls on everybody, on all flesh. And I'm actively pursuing that. I want to see that happen. Because in that day, I know the Lord is going to do something glorious and magnificent. God's going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. I want to make sure I'm ready for that. I want to make sure that I'm ready for what the Lord wants to do. I want to make sure that when He begins to do things, I'm not the obstacle, that I'm not the barrier. I don't agree with it. I don't want this to happen. I, I, no, I want the Lord to have His way. And if that's where the field is, if that's where the harvest is, if that's where God's moving, then I'm not going to stop the harvest. I'm not going to say, no, that harvest isn't welcome here. No, that kind isn't welcome here. No, whosoever will, the Spirit says come. And then the bride says come. I wonder if the bride can say come this morning I wonder if the bride can say yes you're welcome here I know the spirit is drawing but the bride is pulling for you too the Holy Ghost is going to fall it's a prophecy it's going to happen it started on the day of Pentecost and it continues to this day I don't have to doubt that it also mentions though that on your sons and your daughters they shall prophesy 
Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Dreamers and visionaries. Now, throughout Scripture, this is not a rule that follows. I'm using it for this particular sermon for today. But when you see very often in Scripture, dream and vision are synonymous terms. They're used interchangeably. There's, there's really not a whole lot of difference between them, and I'm going to draw a fine line between them today. But I believe that God is calling today. He's calling for dreamers, and He's calling for visionaries. I believe His Spirit wants to fall, and in conjunction with His Spirit falling, there's people that are going to dream dreams and have visions in this place. Like I said, many times they are using it interchangeably, but I'm going to draw a line today between them. For a church to work effectively, it really needs every generation operating. And these are things that I've talked about before. But it needs every generation operating within the body. Never before has this church than right now, this Sunday morning, had more of a balance of generations amongst us. I thought about asking people to stand, but then I thought, man, I don't want to ask. Well, my, I don't want people just to have to stand for no reason. Not the older people. <laughs> But this church has four generations within it. And I'm not going to get all into the generations, but never has there been such a balance within this local church. For many years, three generations were well represented, but now we have four generations very well represented. If you want to see the oldest generation next Sunday, there's an ice cream social going on. And there will be no electric ice cream makers, right? It's all hand churned. No. But this church has never had in its history such a generation of elders. Notice I'm not going to say older, I'm going to say elders. Never before has this church had such a generation of elders. Never before has it had a group to represent that demographic so well. This church in its infancy did not really have many elders. It was people in their middle age that began this work. It was people that put in the work and, and they did what they thought was best. There, but there was no real eldership. But in this moment, I'm thankful for the elders that God has allowed to be in this church. I'm thankful for a group that has stayed faithful, that has stayed true, that have seen the tough times come. And here they still sit and stand and worship. Here they are in this place today. And it's to that group that this verse tells us that there's going to be old men dreaming again. And today I speak to the older generation for a few moments. And my challenge is simply this. Older generation, we need you to dream again. Older generation, we need a dream to catch a hold of you again. I know it was mentioned a few weeks ago, but every person that's come in this building today and you have stepped across a threshold of this gym, you have stepped across somebody's dream that is buried in the footings of this building. You have stepped across somebody's dream. Some of those people have gone on before, but there are names in the footing of this building that somebody dreamed and saw them coming to church one day. There's revival in the the footings of this building there's a host of things that are in the footings of this building and you crossed over somebody's dream when you entered this place today we need dreamers again I know the story I mentioned this, this morning uh, that Jesus mentioned, remember Lot's wife, and that's all he said because it was a common phrase that every knew about, everyone knew about. That's all he needed to say. And there's people in this place, you know what, what I mean when I say that day that Sister Pate 
she rode by this lot. That's a mythical story now. That's a legend. If we believed in totem poles, we would carve her face in one and put her driving by. When she said, that looks like a good place for a church. No, it didn't. <laughs> if you've seen the pictures of all they had to do and cut down and till up and chop and this and that, no, it didn't look like a good place to have a church. But she had a dream. She saw something impossible. She saw something that could be. I think it's time that we have some dreams again. <laughs> You see, to me, a dream, and this is a line that I'm going to draw today between a dream and a vision. To me, a dream speaks of an impossibility. If you look at it, the definition of dream, it is said in, in, in conjunction with fatness of body. <laughs> fatness of body. And a dream often happens in sleep. And so the fatness of body inclines a person to sleep more so they have more dreams. That's what it said. I, I don't know. I'm not telling you to be a dreamer in that way. <laughs> but but it, and it, this is the parallel that's drawn in several of the ancient languages. That, that there's a fatness and it inclines to sleep. And it's expressed the same way. And I don't think this morning, I'm not going to preach about you just need to get all lazy and sleep a lot and all that kind of stuff. But I believe that fatness is referring to things increasing. Things being bigger. Things being greater. I'm preaching about to the dreams that see a lot that really doesn't look that good. But they see increase. They see something bigger. They see something greater. Really, a dream is something that might possibly, somehow, maybe happen. But it's something that's spoken. It's something there. I wish we would get some elders that would begin to dream again. That they would see the impossible. That they would see greater. That they would see bigger. That they would see increase where there is no increase now that they would see greater where there is nothing now. In Genesis chapter 49, in verse 8, and I mentioned that I wasn't going to say older people, so I'm going to let the Spirit tell you if you're an elder this morning. How about that? I'm not going to draw a line for you. In Genesis chapter 49, in verse 9, it says, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he counts as a lion, as an old lion. Who shall rise, rouse him up? This verse is speaking of Judah. It's the first word mentioned. Judah was the greatest tribe. Judah had the most people. It was the one that led in war. This was the, the, the key uh, aspect of the nation. And he says, it's speaking in this verse, who would be foolish enough to rouse up Judah? Because Judah is a lion. Judah is something powerful. Judah has might behind it. You better leave Judah alone because if Judah comes up against you, you're in trouble. I'm here this morning. It says, who would be foolish enough to rouse the lion? I believe the enemy has left us alone too long. I believe it's left us dreaming too, uh, without dreams too long. And this morning, I'm going to be foolish enough to try and rouse the lion. I'm going to be foolish enough to say, you need to get up, lions. You need to do something. Because when the lion is aroused, something powerful begins to happen. Something mighty begins to happen. When old lions begin to dream again, the enemy knows it's in trouble. When old lions begin to see increase where there's nothing, the enemy knows it's in trouble. When the old lions say, there's something greater that can happen. There's something more powerful. There's more people to reach. Then something begins to happen. 
Psalms chapter 126 and verse 1. It says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. It means that when something impossible happened, it was like a dream taking place. What was that dream that happened? The captivity of Zion was overturned. I believe there's some lions that need to dream about backsliders being released from captivity. I believe there's some dreamers that need to rise up and say one more time, I believe the Lord can still save. I believe the Lord can still reach. I know it looks impossible. I know they look far, but I'm believing that they can return. When the impossible became a reality, the dreamers saw these things. They saw them happen. And I believe that God is calling lions this morning. That God is wants to shake lions again. That God wants to give you a dream again. That God wants you to see where this church needs to go. That God wants you to see where the things need to happen. That God wants you to see fields that nobody else sees. That God wants you to see people and opportunities. Oh, come on, let's give the Lord praise this morning. And I pray that if my words do not affect you today, then at least something of what I feel you catch this morning. Job chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, The old lion perisheth for lack of prey. The old lion perisheth for lack of prey. Let me tell you what that looks like in church. I just don't feel like there's anything I can do anymore. You know what will happen, lion? You'll start to perish. Perishes for lack of prey. I just feel like my best years are behind me. I just feel like there's nothing I can really contribute to the kingdom of God anymore. I want to tell you this morning, lions, don't perish for lack of prey. Don't perish for a lack to do. In fact, let me give you the first thing you can do. Is you can begin praying for a dream to be restored to you. You can begin praying to see the impossible again. You can begin believing. I know there's dreams that have gone on in the past. People have seen uh, people walking through the doors of that sanctuary. And they've seen this and that. We're not in the sanctuary anymore. We can't fit in the sanctuary anymore. That dream is fulfilled. That dream has happened. And I'm thankful for that. But we need a fresh dream. We can't live off old dreams we've got to have a fresh dream and we need elders to rise up and say I've got a dream I see what God's doing I see what he wants to do among us I tell you, I, we need some we need some gifted old lions some gifted old lions I'm thankful for every person that they what they give and what they do I'm so thankful I'm thankful for for elder saints that encourage and lift up I'm thankful for every word of encouragement that I've received. I'm th- I, see, I see old lions in the altar encouraging and worshiping with people. I'm thankful for that. But can I challenge you this morning? Can I challenge you to be a gifted lion this morning? And what I mean by that is you, there's something a little bit deeper I think you can provide us. I'm thankful for the words of encouragement. I'm thankful thankful for all that but I wonder what would happen if instead of encouraging that suddenly lions begin to dream again and instead of encouraging worship you begin to come to this altar and you begin to be gifted and prophesy to some of these young lions up here that don't really know what's going on that you begin to see things in their life and you begin to speak words not just of encouragement but you begin to prophesy you begin to give words of wisdom you begin to give words of knowledge you begin to show these younger people what it means to linger on 
around an altar. You begin to show them what it means to entertain the presence of the Lord. Come on. You had somebody show you. You remember the old times. I remember those old time services where tambourines were thrown and bobby pins were everywhere and all that stuff everywhere. You know where I was? You know how I remember it? I was under the pew probably. I was making up new song lyrics for We're a Happy People. And I think, remember those good old days. But you know what? I wasn't a part of it. Somebody was showing me what to do. I wonder what would happen if we'd have a generation of lions and show people what it means to do those things. Show people what it means... I believe there's some old lions that have a gift of prophecy in this place. And I want to release you. I want to rouse you this morning and say, feel free to let God use you. Feel free to let your dreams come out. Feel free to see in somebody something that seems impossible, but you can speak it into their life. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. I wish we had some lions. I know God's the only one who can make it come to pass. God's the only one who can quicken the dead. But some lions who would begin to call things which are not as though they were. I know, I know you may not be able to make it up here to pray for people at prayer time, but in your seat, begin to call healing for that person as though it it was. I know you may not be able to do the things that you used to, but you can still call those things which are not as though they were. You can call revival, even though you may not see it. You can speak it into the air. You can speak deliverance into that person's life. You can speak ministry into a young person's life. Oh, I believe there's some lions that can speak into this community. You can speak into this church. You can speak into the lives of the people of this church. And I want to rouse the lions this morning. I want to arouse you to dream again. I'm not saying go to sleep. I'm saying dream again. I'm saying see the impossible one more time. I wonder what the next piece of property that doesn't look like any good spot for a church is going to be. And I'm speaking metaphorically now. I wonder which area might not have anything going right now but there's a lion who sees something who begins to pray that way who begins to speak that way who begins to say I know it seems impossible but with God all things are possible I know this corner doesn't look like much but you move a few trees and I can see a church here I can see a ministry here Oh, I believe God is calling lions this morning. I believe God is challenging lions this morning. You need some prey this morning. Don't perish for lack of prey, but have a dream again. It says, the old men shall dream dreams, and the young men shall see visions. A dream is really the impossible. Really, and this is why I think it's given to old men sometimes, the elder is because there's nothing you can really do about it. I mean, you had a dream, and dreams are weird sometimes, right? This past week, I had some weird dreams. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I was staying up late and eating later. Man, I had some weird dreams. I had dreams about people from way back that, man, it was weird. I, I, I remember one now. You know, you talk about them, the dreams start coming back to you. Oh, there it is right there. Maybe you start talking dreams, more will come to you. Whew. These two trucks were going for each other. I was standing there, and this truck, man, they reach out of the window, and they start firing at the other truck. They're like playing chicken. There's two trucks coming at each other. They're both firing pistols out the windows at each other. 
and then they both just shoot each other. They both die. You see them slump over, and the trucks crash. Now, that's a weird dream. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Maybe because I was teaching this morning and preaching today, the Lord was telling me, man, it's just going to be a mess in the middle. No. <laughs> but it says, the old men shall dream dreams. The young men shall see visions. The dream's an impossibility, something that only God can bring about, that God must do something with it. But dreams don't really, are not usually self-fulfilling. While God must be involved with it, and it must be God-given, there's usually something else that has to go with it. And here is where I ask for the visionaries, the young men that shall see visions. You see, a vision in the Old Testament or throughout Scripture this is really the only difference is a dream came while someone was sleeping and typically a vision was while the person was awake. To me it speaks of, of vibrancy, of, of youth, of, of energy. It's not that one's more important than the other. But vision has to do with perceiving and seeing coming when a person is awake. If you could this morning, a dream is something that God gives that seem, seems impossible a vision is seeing that dream and how it can become a reality. Vision is making possibility reality. I'm, I'm going all the way down. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation in charity and spirit and faith in purity. I'm going all the way down to the children and to the youth. Not just for those that aren't considered elders. I'm covering that whole spectrum. That God is looking for people to grab a hold, to hear the, the dream of the old lion and grab a hold of it and have God give you a vision so that the dreams become reality. I'm talking about young people who hear something from an elder, who hear an elder speaking or testifying or, or, or sharing something and all of a sudden God drops a vision in your spirit and you say, you know what, that dream's doing something to me. I know it looks impossible, but God is giving me the ability to see how that dream can come to pass. He's letting me see that lot that's just a dream, and he's showing me the plans of how that can work. Let no man despise thy youth. I believe we need young people who will rise up as visionaries. I believe we need young people who will rise up and say, I can do that. God has called me to do that. God is allowing me to do that. Now, during the other part, I was talking to the old lions, and the young lions didn't know what to do. During this part, I'm going to talk to the young whippersnappers, and I need the old lions to back me up on this part. How about that? Second Chronicles chapter 34, first three verses here. I need, who's eight years old here? Is there any eight-year-olds? Rylan, come on up here. That's a perfect example right there, especially after we heard Brother Bill this morning. My kids do the same thing. I was just in the kitchen. Mom. Come here. You can be, you can be, I'm going to whisper to you so no one can hear. You can be King Josiah, okay? Nobody, nobody heard that. King Josiah was eight years old. Look at this. Here's the king. I need some deodorant there, man. Here's the king, King Ryland, I mean Josiah. When he began to reign, I want you to think about Ryland being president. Think about that. What would be the first thing you do? 
That's about how it is now anyway. They don't know either. <laughs> Ryland's president. And he reigned in Jerusalem one in 30 years, 31 years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Just like Ryland does. Always does what's right in the sight of the Lord. Turn with me as I look up here. And he did it which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father, an old lion, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. That means he went straight ahead as he'd been taught. He followed the word of God as he'd been taught at eight years old. Next verse. That would be verse 3. For in the eighth year of his reign. So this is not 31 years later. This is eight years old. I'm going to lift your hand. Eight years old. In his first year, this is the first thing that an eight-year-old did as king. He began to seek after the God of David, his father. This eight-year-old began to pray. I'm looking for some visionaries this morning all the way down. This eight-year-old began to... Don't fold your arms on me. What are you doing, man? You're going to make me buy it. Man, those, that's got some tape on it. And in his 12th year, so he prayed for four years. And in the 12th year... 12 years old, right there at the young person age. So he prayed for four years and did what his dad had taught him for four years. He did what he knew was right. I, I know Ryland does that all the time, exactly what his dad told him to do because he knows it's right. But at eight years old, he did what he knew was right. And then when he turned 12, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places, from the grove, the carved images, the molten images. Hmm. I tell you what, what... What would happen if our youth group just got on fire like it never had before? What would happen if the purge came from the youth group? What if they came in and said, you know what? We need to be more holy. We need to be more righteous. We need some more worship. We need some more witness. Come on, there's old lines that are dreaming, but I'm going to make this a reality. I've got the energy. I've got the power. I have the ability to do these things. I see the dreams, and I'm going to make it happen. What would happen if our kids and young people suddenly realized that they can do what God has called them to do, that God is calling them that God will use them if they make themselves available come on I'm calling for some kids I'm calling for young people to realize you're not too young you can do mighty things for God you can cleanse this place thanks King Josiah good job King Josiah but here it is it takes both it takes both. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. It takes old lines, it takes dreamers, and it takes visionaries. Paul writes to Timothy, or sorry, he writes to the Philippians. And he says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. This isn't just limited to those that are kids and young people, but to all those who do not consider yourself an elder. Paul says, I'm going to send Timothy to you because there's nobody there that has my mindset that I trust. That tells me that Timothy did have a mindset he could trust. I believe God is looking for some like-minded people in this place. I believe that God is looking for another Sister Pate that has the same mind. That says, it may, I may do it different, you know, because the methods change. 
We may not do it the same way. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't care if you do it different than the old way. I don't care if it's a different way that it all takes place. But what I'm preaching to you this morning is God is looking for some like-minded younger people that are going to take these, this mentality from the older person, that's going to take the mentality from the elder and say, you know what, they sacrifice. And I may sacrifice different. It may look different, but I'm, I want that like-mindedness. They reached and they were faithful. They dug things out. And I want the same mind within me. I'm willing to work. I'm willing to do whatever I can to see the kingdom of God. Because if you begin to hear the stories of your elders, if you begin to hear what they did and how they lived for God and the things they had to go through, you'll suddenly realize that that's a mindset that you need, that that's what you need in your life. And this church will not survive unless that mindset continues. Uh, You already heard me say, that doesn't mean we have to do it the same way. We've put air conditioning in. (laughs) I mentioned this morning about the 75th camp meeting. We're not sleeping in cots on mud floors anymore. And if you think that's what saved you, then you're wrong. It was Jesus all along. But what we do need is that mindset that says, even if it's a cot and a mud floor, I'm willing to do what God has asked me to do. Even if I have to sacrifice, even if I have to sit in their straw and a rock floor in a tent with mosquitoes and flies, I'm willing to do what God has called me to do. That's what I grab from that. Willing to do what God has called me to do. There is no sacrifice too great. There is nothing too hard for God that I... I there's nothing that I can't do. God is looking for like-minded individuals today. God is looking for someone, and this is, it comes from two root words, that word like-minded, and here's what it means. It's kind of funny. Their breath agrees. They got the same bad breath. After church, we're going to go around and breathe in each other's face and see who has like-minded breath. But it means their breath agrees. I tell you what, there's some, there's some old lines, younger people. If you classify yourself as young, not an elder, I'm talking to you. If you don't know which one you are, you better pray and find out. There's some older people that they've got a breath of prayer in them. This church is not going to survive unless there's a younger, like-minded person that catches a hold of that breath of prayer. There's some older people. They've witnessed to more people than you even realize. We need some younger people to grab a hold of that breath of reaching out. There's some faithful lions in this place that have been through the trial and the storm, and they know what it's like to hold to his hand through everything. We need some younger people that will say, I need that same mindset. I need that same breath. Within me, I wish there would be some younger people that would rise up and say, Lord, I need that same like-mindedness. I need that same thing that my elders have. Psalms 104.21 says, The young lions roar after their prey. They seek their meat from God. The old lions perish for lack of prey. I believe they need a dream. The young lions roar after their prey. Pray and they seek their meat from God. Young people, that's your meat comes from God. I think one reason we have a problem with like-mindedness with our elders is because we have too many other things that crowd out in our mind. Our elders, they don't have to they didn't have to worry about all the social media. They didn't have to worry about Netflix. 
never mind in their home. They, you can watch it in church if you want. There's been people that have. They didn't have to worry about that. They came to church and there was nothing else to do. How do you remember? You come to church, you might have a pad of paper and that's it. If you get bored with that, tough cheese. Didn't have all this stuff. Never mind a fidget spinner or anything like that. The young lions roar after their prey. They seek their meat from God. Young, younger generation, my generation, we need to make sure that we are seeking our meat from God. That is where it comes from. If we want sustenance in our life, it has to come from God. It doesn't come from things. It doesn't come from houses or barns. My meat comes from God. And John chapter 4 tells us exactly what this meat is. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. I want my meat to be God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Because that's the meat that will sustain sustain me. I don't need an evening with Netflix to sustain me. I need to do the will of God that sent me. I need to do what he has called me to do. And you wonder why you can't relax or get ahead or do anything. I wonder if you've got the wrong meat sustaining you. There's some old lions that knew what meat was right. And you need to get a like-minded spirit about it. Verse 35 says, say not ye. I don't think it's any mistake that we find out what the will of the Father is. There are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, younger generation. Lift up your eyes, you visionaries, and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. Oh, we need some old lions to dream of what the harvest could be, to dream of what could happen. And we need some visionaries to see the white fields that are ready to harvest your meat is to do what God sent you to do and what he sent you to do is to harvest to get out there to do the work of God to reach to seek to save that's what God is calling us to do that's what God wants us to do that's what will sustain me in my life the harvest is what will sustain me I'm finishing up here Matthew chapter 6, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, is, he's giving that forth. And right before this passage, I'm going to read. Let me just say, the hardest people to preach to are people that are committed and trying to do their best for God. Because I feel bad trying to ask you to commit more. And I'm not trying to ask you to commit more. The Lord dropped this in my spirit several months ago, and he's been dealing with me about it. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Older people, you need to pray that God gives you a dream, and then you need to pray that God gives you the courage to share that dream with a younger generation, to get someone that's like-minded with you. But younger generation, whether you're 50 or 8 years old, whatever you may be, considering yourself a younger generation, I pray that you just take what I'm going to say and pray about it. I'm not telling you to do anything. I just want the Spirit to challenge my heart. And if there's anything there lacking, I want to do it because my meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. In short, that's just me saying don't kill the messenger. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, he's, he says right before this, the verse is, You can't have all the love of money. No man can serve two masters. You can't serve God and mammon. 
Right? We all know that. You can't serve God and love money. It doesn't say you can't have money, you just can't love it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, it says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat or who, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, for your heaven, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? You can't even make yourself taller. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? You see, maybe the problem with the younger generation really comes to what Jesus asks and ends his question with, O ye of little faith. You see, because God challenges me to do things that I really don't want to do, God challenges me to sacrifice in places I think I'm already sacrificing or I can't sacrifice in. God challenges me to push in areas where I thought I had all of that committed. What more do you want me to do, God? I'm glad there was a generation years ago that God could always ask them more. You begin to read stories of old lions, powerful. I don't know how they did it. Verse 31, therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I want you to realize that who Jesus is speaking to is not a group of preachers. People that work full time in the ministry. He's speaking to people. Everyday people. People that work. People that have families. People that have commitments. When I begin to think, well, what are the negative comments I could get back for this? So what you saying? Quit my job? Well, yeah, if God tells you. I'm not going to tell you to do that. Well, when I begin to think of doing more for God, what do I begin to think about? If for some reason God speaks to me and says, for instance... I'm not saying that you need, I, I want you to understand what I'm saying. This is not what I'm telling you to do. I want the Spirit to speak to you. And if there's nothing, that's fine. But what if the Spirit tells me I want you to go part-time at your work? Well, God would never do that. Oh, really? What's the first things that start to enter my mind? What I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink what I'm going to wear, the necessities of life. What crosses your mind if I tell you, if it, let's just pretend I'm telling you, you need to quit your job. What do you start, how am I going to pay my bills? Right? So he says, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. And I apologize, I'm going over my time-er 
This is the only time I get to preach to you about this. So I'm going to pack it all in. I'm almost done. He says, take no thought for tomorrow. Quit your job today and don't worry about tomorrow. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine for you to say, Jesus, you're going to be leaving here in a few years and you don't even have to worry about it. You're going to be up in heaven with riches. And, and what am I saying? Am I telling you to quit your job? No. But I'm telling you, he covers my concerns when he speaks to me and tells me to do something. Very often when he tells me to do something, it's something that I don't like and I don't agree with. And he covers my concerns very plainly here and says, don't worry about your necessities. If you follow my will, if you do my meat, then you will be covered. You won't have to be worried about tomorrow. Now, remember, I said, old lions, I might need a witness to help me out with this younger generation. How many of you old lions know that he'll provide for you what you need? That when you're wondering where the next meal's going to come from, God can provide what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. He's faithful. He's true. This is where you stand up. Now, maybe you don't have to stand up, but you give a witness to what I'm saying because this is what you need to let them know. You need to let them know this is what God did for me. This is how he worked in my life. Be of like-minded, and you can do the same too. God will be faithful to you like he was faithful to me. And I know it's easy to think he's preaching to people that are full-time ministers. That they're, they're doing this. No, he's preaching to, to people that have families and jobs and commitments and have things that have to happen. He's preaching to people that if they do something drastic, they'll have to worry about what they eat, what they drink, what they put on. They'll have to worry if God calls them to do something or start a church here or start a ministry there, how it's all going to work out. That's the people he's talking to. And he says, don't have little faith but trust me believe me that if I've called you I know all that stuff I know you've got bills but I'm asking you to trust me and believe that I've called you that I'm pulling you that I'm doing something in you Luke chapter 8 and verse 14 and that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard I ain't have a problem hearing they said amen they went forth. Go ye into all the world. They went forth. But something happens. They went out and committed adultery. They went out and cheated at work. They went and stole a bunch of money from their neighbor. No. They heard the word. They agreed with it. They left and said, Lord, I'm going to do that. And all of a sudden, well, what am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? How is this going to work out? How is that going to work out? And what happens? They bring no fruit to perfection. Let me tell you what, younger generation, and I apologize for going so long. I apologize. But if you are looking to the old lines, and I, I do not mean this disrespectfully, because God, that doesn't mean you, you can sit around, Brother Mac, and just drink coffee and have dreams. You can still go out and do stuff. Let me tell you, if I'm relying on Brother Pate and Brother Mac to produce the fruit of this church, he's calling younger people to produce fruit. He's calling on younger people to commit. 
He's, he may call for a sacrifice of time or finances or energy or something, but the fruit is going to come from those working, from those out in the field, from those plowing. That's where the fruit, that's where the increase is going to come. We need dreamers to see the impossible, but we need visionaries to say, yes, I'm the one who will plow the field. I'll sacrifice. I'll do the work. I'll do whatever it takes, and it may be rough. It may not be easy, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. I'm not going to let the cares of life choke out what God is trying to do. And I'm closing with this passage. This is what they're they're building the temple in Israel. They're rebuilding the temple. And like I said earlier, I'm sorry I make a disclaimer, but I pray that if if my words have not affected you, I pray that something that you feel has affected you. Ezra chapter 3 and verse 10, they're rebuilding the temple. It says, And when the builders laid the foundations of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by course and praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, for his mercy endureth ever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy so the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people for the people shouted with a loud voice and the noise was heard afar off. There's a lot of conjecture and actually I've heard sermons preached both ways on this passage. I'm not really sure what's taking place. Some people say that the old generation, they saw the foundation and wept because it wasn't as good as the first one. Old lions don't ever do that. Don't ever look at what this younger generation's doing and saying it's not as good as what we used to do. If they need encouragement, you encourage them. But don't ever weep because it's not the way that it used to be. I've heard it preached that way. I've heard others preach and say they wept because they were so joyous. I don't really know what happened. It could go either way. But I'd like to put it with the verse that we read from Joel. The dreamers and the visionaries. And what I'd like to see. Because as great and as far as God has brought us, I'm believing this is just a foundation. I hope it's just a foundation. That means that this is as small as we'll ever be. That means this is the least impact that this is the least impact we'll ever have in this community. That God is going to take us from strength to strength to strength. And what I love to see happen on this foundation is I love to see some dreamers crying. And I love to see some visionaries shouting. I love to see an older generation that remembers what it used to be like. But they also have a dream of what could be. And they're seeing that dream begin to come to pass. With just a foundation, you see all those dreams that you had that God has given to you in the past. And God's going to continue to give you. And it can't do anything but well something up within you of gratefulness, of thankfulness, of where God has brought us from to where we are now. Of what God did before and what He's doing now. And you can't help but tears of thankfulness well up within you and say, thank you, Lord. Look what the Lord has done among us. 
I want the dreamers to weep. But I want some visionaries to shout for joy. I want some visionaries to say, you know what? This is only the beginning. This is only just the starting point. No, there's more that God is going to do. And I know it's a foundation. And I know there's more work to do. And I know there means, that means more sacrifice and more effort on my part. But I'm not going to settle for this foundation. I'm not going to settle for just this. But there's a temple that needs built on this foundation. There's something that needs to be happen on this foundation. And Lord, Lord, I'm shouting for what you've done. But Lord, I shout in anticipation of what you're going to do. And Lord, I'm going to be a part of it no matter what. No matter what you require. Lord, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to see it happen. Oh, come on. Let's stand in this place this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God is calling for lions to dream again in this place. Don't perish for lack of prey. Don't think you're not needed. Don't think you're not useful. Don't think there's nothing you can do. God wants to rouse the old lions. And the enemy knows if the old lions are ever roused, it better watch out. If the old lions start praying like they know they can. If the old lions start prophesying like they know they can. If the old lions start speaking to things that are not as though they were. The enemy knows it's in trouble. The enemy knows it can't stand up when the old lions begin to rouse up. And God is looking for a younger generation. You know, when God called the priests, he said from the ages of 20 to 50 were the people that were going to do all the work. You know what? That's a bad time for me to do a bunch of work. I got kids. I got soccer. I got all this going on. Seems like the 50-year-olds should be doing it. They're just waiting around for grandkids. They got nothing to do. God told the Levites, no, I know you're going to be busy with the cares of life. I know you're going to have to worry about the kids getting to school and this happening and after school curricular activities and all this going on in work and maybe you get a promotion at this time because that's where all this happens and building up your retirement and doing all these things and that's the years that we acquire. But he says, that's the years that you've got to do the most work for the kingdom of God. And I pray you don't take this as you need to do more. Because there's people that do so much in this place. But I'm just praying that you can open your spirit and say, Lord, if, Lord, if there's anything, Lord, let me have the same breath as my elder. The same breath that laid paychecks on the altar. I can't do that. I've got to eat. I've got to drink. I've got to have raiment. So did they. And the Lord was faithful. Come on, the fruit's going to come from you. The growth's going to come from you. If you can't commit... It's not going to work. 
the old lines have a role and that's not it. God's calling us today. I wonder if we can pray right now. I just want you to pray, Lord, search me if there's anything. Honestly, if there's nothing, I'm fine. If you're doing everything that God has called you to do, I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful. But if God needs to convict me, my meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. Come on, I know there's no music. I know it's a little bit different, but I want the Lord to touch us right now. Come on, this is not just to keep you busy. This is all about... This is all about all flesh receiving the Holy Ghost. This is not about because I want to take your time and make you busy and fill up your life with a church program. No, this is about everyone being touched with the Holy Ghost. This is about our community being reached. This is about souls being saved. Lord, we need you right now, God.